0: My name's Sai, if you didn't uh, pick that up, uh, one of the the leaders here. Yeah, we do thank you for your prayers while we're over in Uganda, and we do value your prayers while we were there. You know, as Anna said, two of us did get malaria. She was one of them, that's why she was sounding a little bit hoarse. She's still uh, uh, on the the men for that, and uh, um, Josiah... Was, an, was another one and it just makes you feel for the people on the ground there who have to suffer with ever increasing, increasingly worse strains of, of malaria uh, going around so uh, yeah it makes you feel for them and I managed to do some health teaching in the uh, village there with some of the, the, the ladies and, um, and the people there I also had a, a, a local doctor alongside her as well so that was uh, that was really good And they did some eye testing as well in that village because the mum's an optician. Victory Outreach Ministries, a movement of churches that we work with over there, led by um, one of the guys uh, called Milton. Um, They had organized over 70 people to get together from 20 different churches to to hear from uh, Pastor Mahad that I'd brought over from, from Kenya about his testimony and about uh, Islam. And, you know, it was great to see that people really received it. Part of my heart in bringing Milton from Uganda over to do the work that I do in the, in the Horn of uh, Africa and to help teach the pastors there, is not only because Milton has so much to teach them as he leads a movement, he's led, uh, under, he's led churches under opposition from the, the government, and he's uh, uh, been effective at mobilizing people and even influencing governmental uh, policy. So I knew he had stuff to bring to them, but also that he himself would then get a heart to reach people from an Islamic background in his area as well. And this was happening, and they've organized in June a two-week mission between all the churches in North Uganda to go to one of these towns called Mbali in Uganda. And In the last 15 years, Mbali has become a bit of an Islamic stronghold there. It never used to be, but there's there's loads and loads of uh, um, uh, Muslims there now, and they're going with a specific aim to reach them for Christ. And they've asked uh, me um, and and Mahad to come and do a three-day teaching conference with them before they they do this, so that they can uh, be equipped to effectively reach out. So I'm just so excited at what God is doing, and to think that we here in Helsham, famous for our rope making that helped extend the, the British Empire, are involved in extending the kingdom of God in East Africa and the Horn of Africa. So, thank you for sending us, thank you for praying for us and being with us. But you know, we're expectant for God to do great things here amongst us too, here in Helsham, We're believing that God wants to work through you, and he wants to work through me to do great things here. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to do great things through you. He, it's true. He does. He wants to do great things through you. He wants to extend his kingdom. And so that's why we encourage people to be strong and courageous. As, as God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you Go. You know, this is a season for us as a church to be strong and courageous, to take steps of faith as the Holy Spirit prompts us. You know, God wants to do great things through you, and He has great things for each one of us to do. You know, that's why we're looking at the book of Joshua, as in Joshua, we see God leading the people of Israel into the promised land. And we in the new covenant with Jesus, our leader, we are following him into all the promises that God has for us as we look to extend his kingdom here in Helsham and the surrounding area and even to the ends of the earth as well. You know, two weeks ago, Duncan would have spoken about the sending out of the spies and Rahab the prostitute in particular and how she transferred from being uh, undevoted to destruction to becoming one of the people of God through faith in God. And this is a wonderful picture for us, which is true for us, that we as people are born in sin and under God's judgment, but by faith in Jesus Christ we Get, we, get, we can transfer from being devoted to destruction by God to being children of his blessing, children of his promise with an eternal future to look at as well. Paul last week looked at the crossing of the Jordan and how the, the people needed to prepare for that and consecrate themselves for, for this. And then, and then they had to pause and reflect upon what God has done with you. And as Paul was speaking, God gave Ray a word, which I'm going to invite Ray forward now to to share with us, because I think it's very relevant for a few people
1: uh, here this morning. I don't know how God actually speaks to you, but normally God speaks to me through his word. And uh, while I was listening to uh, Paul preaching, God really highlighted a verse of Scripture. So if you just like to to turn to Joshua chapter 3 and uh, and verse 13. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 13. And this is what it says. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The sovereign Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest. In the waters of Jordan. And as I meditated upon that, as uh, Paul was preaching, I just sensed there was a great problem for the children of Israel. And it was the Jordan. That was their problem. But then God showed me, actually, I am resting in the river of Jordan. And I think God is saying to us that as we Go forward, and as we advance as a church on this tremendous, exciting journey that He's given to us, there are going to be problems which we're going to face. There's no doubt about that. But God's promises that He actually is in the midst of those problems. God has gone before, and He's there, and He will see us safely through onto the other side. This morning we sang Jump into the River. Some of you weren't quite so enthusiastic in your jumping. We also said that Christ, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthened us. So the encouragement I think God is giving to us this morning is jump in the river, know that Jesus is there, and if there are the problems, then he will see us through and we will gain the victory because we are more than conquerors through the love of of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, Ray. That's great. And there'll be opportunity if you are in that situation where you're feeling, oh, the problems are just too much for me and you want to know God's help then at the end of the service, there'll be opportunities to pray into that a bit more. But today, I want to continue in Joshua as Israel prepare in a rather unusual way to get ready for battle. And look at how that relates to us as a people of God set apart to follow Jesus and to engage in this battle with the kingdom of darkness. So let's read Joshua chapter 5, if you've got it in your Bibles there, otherwise you can just listen to me. And just a health warning here for you men, this is quite a painful chapter, okay? Okay, you'll see why in a minute. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the son of Israel at Gibbeth Haraloth, which means hill of foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they'd come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. And this is why, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was the, their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation had finished, thank goodness for that, they, remi- they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, or neither. But I am the commander of Do you know, it's a well-known military fact that the element of surprise, a lightning-speed attack, has caused many a weaker army to defeat a much superior army. Julius Caesar was famous for this. If you want to um, move on to the, the next, uh, next page, you should have a picture of Julius Caesar there. Julius Caesar was famous for these lightning-speed uh, attacks. Conversely... Many a superior army has, has lost battles due to complacency. And again, a famous example of this would be the Battle of Dunkirk, which came in our favour in the UK. You know, Hitler, for whatever reason, ordered that his troops should not attack the Allied forces, the beleaguered Allied forces on the on the beach for 48 hours, but they should rest, regroup and refuel the tanks. Those 48 hours arguably saved the UK from later on Nazi invasion and enabled us to actually continue and fight the Second World War. So with that well-known military fact, it's with some surprise knowing that Exodus chapter 15 verse 3 makes it clear that God himself is a warrior, he's a man of war, he's an expert in war, and knowing that the Amorites and the Canaanites are scared of Israel, they've got no strength left to fight, that God doesn't use that advantage, but he says, whoa, whoa, hold up a minute. And actually, he goes and makes Israel physically vulnerable. All the males that got circumcised would have been left physically unable to move for a short period of time. And then after that, they have a celebratory feast, militarily. This was crazy, it didn't make any sense. Why not do that after the battle had been won, or do it, if it's so important, do it the other side of the Jordan, where you've got the natural protection of the river to keep the army safe, naturally. This didn't make sense. You need to understand that. But as the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For God was then, and he still is today, more concerned with his people's position before him, their trust and their obedience to him, than their trust and obedience in, in anything else, as, as it were. You see, God has all power. God has all wisdom. He's all wise. The Proverbs 21 tells us there is no wisdom... There is no understanding, there is no counsel that can avail against the Lord. Thus, he always wins. And Israel needed to realize that it was about their trust and obedience to him. It's because of a lack of trust and obedience, that the previous generation had to wander in the wilderness, you see. And this is relevant for us today. It's about our trust and obedience to him. Because although Israel had become physically vulnerable uh, to attack due to their uh, circumcision, they were not really in any danger because God himself would protect them. However, conversely, if they'd gone into battle in in a physically superior position, but out of sorts with God, actually, they would end up losing. As I'll look at... um, with, with you guys in a few weeks' time as I look at the sin of Achan, because God himself would turn and fight against them if they were out of sorts with him. You see, the circumcision of the male in, in the Old Covenant was a sign of their belonging to God, of them being set apart as part of the people of God. It was given by God himself to Abraham as a physical sign in their body. Now please note, just make this uh, point clear, that nowhere in the Bible does it condone or promote the evil act of female circumcision. It's talking about male circumcision here. It's not a big issue in our country, but it is around the world, so it's worth making that point clear. So what about us today here? Men, are you worried? Have I got Paul and Dunk lined up with some flint knives? So in the Willingdon room afterwards, you know, if you want to make your way over there, please, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll set you apart for God. Well, hopefully, you're now pleased that I spent a bit of time the first week we looked at Joshua, explaining that when you're in the Old Testament, you have to go for a certain process of asking: Does the New Testament qualify? or modify this teaching? Does it say, yes, this is a good pattern that we follow, or does it say, ah oh, no, this was a physical act or something that happened as an example to re- reflect a greater spiritual reality than, uh, than what the physical act was about? Well, men, you'll be pleased to know that this is one of those occasions where the New Testament does modify this teaching. So don't, you can put away the flint knife, it's alright, it's alright. Men, you're okay here this morning. You see, the physical action of, of circumcision was, uh, w- w- wasn't, it wasn't so much about the physical action as it were, it was pointing to a greater reality when they would chop off the skin of the, of the baby boys, it was supposed to be a sign, a future sign, of one's heart being surrendered, being changed before God. The Apostle Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 2, verse 29. Circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. That's what it was pointing uh, towards. In fact, God had already hinted at this in the, none other than the book of the law of Moses in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. This hints at what circumcision was about when it says this, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live... My friends, the question for you and for me this morning is where is your heart before God this morning? Is your heart surrendered to him? Is your heart soft before God? Obviously, if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus, you're not a Christian, you need to understand that you don't get right with God by, by trying harder to be a better person or by hoping that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. No, no, the Bible's very clear that we cannot get right with God on our own efforts because even our best efforts are still tainted with our mistakes. No, we by ourselves can't get right with God. But because of God's great love for you, and because of his great love for me, he sent Jesus, who did come and live. A perfect life before God. He fully pleased God the Father in word and in deed and in thought as well. And he didn't make any mistakes. And then he chose to die a criminal's death on the cross as a divine substitute so that you and I, through putting our faith in him, can receive God's forgiveness. Our, the punishment for our mistakes, if you like, are placed on Jesus and his righteousness and his goodness is given to us. If you like, it's at that moment that we turn to God rather than try and hide our mistakes and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I realize I've made many mistakes in my life. Please forgive me. Help me to live for you. Give me your spirit so that I can, I can start wanting to please you. That is when to use the, the language of the text we're looking at, our heart is circumcised. That is when we are born again and we, uh, we, when we become surrendered to God. You see, you may have been coming to church every week of your life, but if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, then you're, you're, you're not a Christian yet. Doing something, a physical action, doesn't Make you a Christian. It's surrendering your heart and your life to God. You may be here and you may have done some of the most awful things. You may be riddled with shame out of some of the things that you've done or have been done to you. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus, He deals with all of that on His cross and He gives you His righteousness. You're transferred unto the winning team with your eternal future in the promised perfected world secured by Jesus, where heaven will be on earth and God's dwelling will be amongst his people. That is on offer to everyone who doesn't know Jesus. Here this morning. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, or you know that you've walked away from Jesus, actually, I'm just going to encourage you to pray along with me now. Can I just ask everyone to to bow their heads and to close their eyes? If you're here this morning and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus and you know you need to this morning, you know you want to get right with God, then pray this prayer in your heart along with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all that I have done, said and thought that is wrong. And through the help of your spirit, help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, just seal what you are doing amongst people here this morning. For those of us who have done this, whether you've just prayed that prayer along with me, whether you did it months ago, whether you did it years ago, it's about keeping our hearts in the love of God and in love with God as well. It's about not allowing sins of bitterness and cynicism and jealousies and anger and gossip and lust to have a dwelling place in our hearts. So if we do that, they make our hearts become dull before God, and we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. They desensitize us, and they leave us in a vulnerable position to be attacked by the enemy of God, who is, who is always looking for an opportunity. Do you know, we're called as a people to be obedient and to be, uh, and to be sensitive to God's Spirit, dealing with these things. You know, as you follow what God has put in His Word, what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, it may not make strategic sense in your life. And God, why are you telling me to do this? this? This particular passage doesn't make strategic sense. But God always has a reason to what he calls you to do, even if the reason is just to test whether you're trusting him, whether you're putting your faith in him. He always has a reason for what he does. You can trust him, my friends. Now in the New Testament, a sign of a heart that has been circumcised, as it were, before God, that is surrendered to God, that is living for God and trying to please Jesus. One of the signs that someone has done this is through baptism. That they, uh, that they get baptised as a sign that they're now died to their old way of life and they're living to their new way of life. And if you're a Christian here today and you haven't been baptised, then please come and grab me at the end or come and grab Dunk at the end. We're going to be doing another baptism service on, on Easter Sunday and we'd love to baptise you if you're in that position. So please come and uh, grab me afterwards. Likewise, in the New Testament... We're not called, we don't have to celebrate the Passover, you can do, and I know people do to get an idea of uh, what it's like, but we don't have to celebrate the Passover, because the Passover itself was, uh, again, another... Uh, another uh, um, it, it was in remembrance of when the people of Israel were brought out of Egypt, when the angel of death passed over their houses because they had sacrificed the spotless lamb, and wiped its blood on their doorposts. And this being a clear picture of what Jesus does for us. Jesus was the pure, spotless lamb of God, who shed his blood so that all those who put their faith in him have his blood, if you like, put over their life. So God's anger, God's wrath against us, passes us over, and we receive his blessing, we receive his Goodness, And we we in the New Testament are encouraged to remember this by the breaking of bread and the taking of wine in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. And we encourage here at Christchurch people to do that regularly. If you're a part of a life group, we encourage life groups to do this together regularly. And as a whole church, we normally do it on the first Sunday of each month. We do it differently every Sunday, or every time we do it normally, because Terry Virgo, who started our movement of churches, says religion sets on the church quicker than skin sets on custard. You can tell he's a man that likes his puddings, but uh, uh, that was the image God gave him. And communion is one of those areas where religion quickly can set on people's heart. The way we do it Becomes more important than the corporate act of obedience to God's word. Because there isn't, according to Scripture, a particularly right way of it being done. And that's why we as a church do it differently and have different styles each time we do it here on, on a Sunday morning. It's the obedience to God's word that is the important thing. And in our lives, We're called to be obedient to God, to obey him, and to obey his promptings on us. That's what this passage in Joshua 5 is about, as well as a picture of the setting apart of Israel for God's service. And we're called to set apart ourselves in our thinking and in our hearts to serve God. As Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths I don't have time to go into the whole area of the manna ceasing on the day after they eat the produce of the land which is a, is a shame but I want to focus on the last bit of the passage where it talks about this strange figure of the commander of the Lord's army who is now here for action, you know, many theologians take these last few verses in Joshua five and link them closer with Joshua chapter to six because it's sort of uh, they're linking it to the battle of Jericho. However, I would uh, be with those that link it more closely to the rest of chapter five, as the first half of chapter five is about Israel physically being prepared to go into battle, and then this second part is about Israel's mindset as to whose side they're on. It's getting Israel's mindset ready. You know, Joshua goes there up to the man. Whose side are you on? You're on our side or you're on our enemy's side? And he is rightly put in his place by the commander of the Lord's army that the truth is neither. Actually, that the commander of the Lord's army is on God's side. And whether Israel wins or not depends on whether they remain on God's side or not. This mysterious figure who Joshua bows down and worships, even though it's only right to worship uh, God, should be taken as a sort of pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus. Calvin says about this verse, When Christ anciently appeared in human form, it was a prelude to the mystery which was afterwards exhibited when God was made manifest in the flesh. I'll read that again. When Christ anciently appeared in human form, it was a prelude to the mystery which was afterwards exhibited when God was made manifest in the flesh. In other words, it was to help prepare people to understand something of the mystery of Christ, who was fully God and yet fully man as well. You see, the Bible makes it clear that we can only worship God. The Bible makes a- angels themselves, they stop people worshipping them and say, no, don't do it, I'm just a servant like you. And yet this mysterious figure of the commander of the Lord's army receives worship. Elsewhere, he's referred to as the, the angel of the Lord. And he-, and he is also linked with God in ways that are only appropriate for God himself. These confusing encounter- encounters that you come across in the Old Testament, which left the scribes sort of scratching their head as to what does this mean? Was to help prepare people for the reality when Christ came. To, you see, because to see Jesus was to see God. Jesus could do things that were, and say things that were only appropriate for God himself. And Jesus received worship from his followers as well. You see, Joshua needed to realign his mindset that it's not about God being on his side, but it's about him being on God's side. And God, in his goodness, came himself to make this clear to Joshua, who quickly recognizes his folly and bows down and worships God and does as is told. My friends, how many of us Christians need to hear this truth afresh today? Are you here today and you need to hear this truth? Has your mindset become preoccupied with yourself, with your desires, with your hobbies, with your pet things, and you just want the God of the universe to bless you in your endeavors in what you're doing. Like some all-powerful genie that you can just say, oh yeah, God, please bless this. What well, Jesus said, didn't he? You know, If you pray in my name, you'll get what you ask for. So, Lord, get, give me this, this, and this. You're not realizing that to pray in someone's name is to pray in line with their character and the will of that person. That's what Jesus is encouraging us to do. He's encouraging us to pray in line with what Jesus himself would want. He's not saying, God, give me X, Y, and Z because I've asked it in Jesus' name. You, you must do it. It's not that, that sort of prayer. My friends, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to transform your heart by the renewal of your mind so that you may be able to test and discern what God's will is, his good, acceptable and perfect will. You know, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you died to yourself, and you're now living for God, according to Galatians chapter 2. Your mindset changes from God, bless me, help me in this area and that area, to God, here I am. What are you calling me to do with my life? And you know, the wonderful truth is, my friends, the more you surrender your life, the more you surrender your will to the plan and purposes of God, not only are you living for something that's so much greater than yourself, but the more you realize that God's plan for your life is better than your plan, that his plan is more satisfying than you could ever satisfy yourself. And he leads you into an ever-increasing fullness of life that he's got for you. Even when we suffer, as Christians, we're all called to suffer for the gospel. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 makes clear. But Paul says this, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory of that is to be revealed to us. My friends, have you made this transition in your heart and in your mindset of of you being on God's side rather than asking the God of the whole universe to just bless you in your endeavors? My friends, you won't regret it if you have. For some of us here, we need to grow up in our faith this morning and make this transition in our thinking and you know, as you do that, God in His goodness, as I said before, His plan for you is better than your own plan, your own will is for your life. And he is, he is calling us to follow Him wherever He leads. And as a church, He is calling us, as Christ Church here, to be strong and courageous and engage in battle through sharing the love of Jesus in Helsham and beyond by the power of the Spirit to the glory of God the Father. He is calling you to play your part in making the best use of the time that he's given you, making the most of every opportunity that he brings across your way to share something of this love of Jesus, so that you can make an eternal difference here on on earth that will have impact in eternity to come. Do you realize that you have been set apart as a people of God to follow Jesus? And as we do that, we will extend his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be a people set apart, ready to follow him, ready to be obedient to everything he calls us to. God has called you to be set apart to follow Jesus. And through the power of his spirit will enable you to help establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Helsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.